Luke chapter 23. I know I've preached from this verse many times, but the Lord began to speak to my heart about it. And that's the amazing thing about the Word of God. You can keep going back to it again and again and again. And it was just on my heart this week. And so I want to go to Luke chapter 23 and verse number 33. The Lord gave me a different thought this week. And I pray that it will be a help to us this morning. Luke 23 and verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Father, I pray that you'll take this verse this morning and make it afresh and anew to our hearts. I ask you to help us today, save the lost, reclaim the backslid, and encourage those that may be discouraged this morning. And Lord, may thy will be done, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning out of verse number 33. Of course, this verse is is so captivating. One reason because uh, it's in this verse we find the word Calvary this morning. Hey, when you think about Calvary, it ought to be the most blessed thought uh, to a child of God amongst everything in the Word of God, everything uh, centers around the cross and the Christ of that cross uh, and the Christ of Calvary. And when we think about Calvary this morning, I want to preach on this subject, on Calvary, uh, the place, of punishment. Calvary the place of punishment. And I want us to think about that this morning. When you think about Calvary, uh, we know that Calvary is a mysterious place. And what I mean by that is that you just cannot exhaust uh, uh, the subject of Calvary. It does not matter how many books have been written or how many songs have been sung uh, or how many sermons have been preached. Uh, You can always go back to the old rugged cross uh, and it seems fresh and it seems anew uh, and it's mysterious and in itself how that Calvary never grows old. As the old songwriter said that, the old story just never grows old. And so it's a mysterious place. And then I want to say this morning that Calvary is a monumental place. Amen. Because it's the place where our Savior died. Amen. It's the place where Satan was defeated. It's the place where salvation was purchased. Calvary is the place where the prophecy was fulfilled. And Calvary is the place where the victory was won. Calvary is the place where sin was abolished. Amen. Calvary is the place this morning where our Father's will was fulfilled. I just want to say Calvary is a very monumental place. When I think about Calvary this morning, it thrills my soul to be able to raise my hand and say I've been to Calvary and I have seen the Lord. Amen. It is a monumental place. And then I want to say this morning, that Calvary is a miraculous place. Amen. When you think about uh, Calvary this morning, uh, there are seven miracles, uh, uh, my friend, around Calvary that took place uh, when Jesus was on the cross uh, uh, from the third hour to the ninth hour as our Savior hung suspended between heaven and hell as he suffered and he bled uh, and he died for the sins of humanity. Miracles took place, uh, but the greatest miracle of all, uh, my friend, is the miracle of salvation. uh, And Calvary, Calvary is a miraculous place this morning. But when you come to our text, uh, we find that Calvary is a miserable place. May I remind us this morning 
While we glory in the cross, uh, we cannot forget about the gruesomeness uh, and the grief uh, of the cross. Uh, you see, that's what modern day religion doesn't want. Uh, they, don't want a, they don't want a bloody Calvary. They don't want a bloody Savior. Uh, they don't want you to get up. They cheapen salvation uh, by just uh, uh, formalizing and watering it down uh, into a few questions that you answer uh, and making the gospel, my friend, uh, without the cross. Uh, I'll tell you, you cannot have the gospel without the cross, uh, without the shedding of blood. The Bible says uh, there is no remission of sins, uh, neither by the blood of goats and calves, uh, but by his own blood. Uh, he entered in once in the holy place, uh, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Uh, I want to tell you, my friend Calvary, on that hillside that day, uh, it was a bloody hillside, uh, but I remind you uh, of the blood that was shed on that day. Uh, it was shed for me, uh, and it was shed for you. Uh, and it was shed for this world. And Calvary was a miserable place. Amen. Jesus suffered my pain. He suffered our agony. He suffered our trial. He suffered. He took all of our suffering to the top of that hill. And he bore the suffering of Calvary. And Calvary was a miserable place this morning. When we come to Calvary. And we think about it this morning in this text. I want you to notice uh, five simple things and we'll be through. First of all, I want you to see in verse number 33, I want you to see the marking of this place of punishment. The Bible says, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. Calvary was a specific place. Uh, it was marked by man, but before it was marked by man, it was marked by God. I believe God formed that hill, don't you? Uh, and I believe when God formed that hill, I believe God knew exactly uh, where that hill was gonna be at. He knew exactly what that hill was gonna be for. And I notice it in that phrase, uh, and when they were come to the place, uh, if you go back to verse number 32, the Bible says and there were also two other malefactors led with him if you go back to verse number 26 uh, and as they led him away when you think about Jesus uh, he walked that last mile to Golgotha's hillside he walked my friend from Pilate's hall and through the streets of Jerusalem and outside the city and up that hillside to Calvary that day my friend when you think about the disgraceful a memorial parade that followed behind him the angry mob uh, that mocked him and ridiculed him. He was mocked by the rulers. He was mocked by the Romans. He was even mocked by those robbers that hung at Calvary with him that day. But Jesus knew where the place was. It was marked for time and eternity. Calvary is a marked place of punishment. Amen. It was so marked in Bible days that whenever a judge uh, drew the hammer down and said the word Golgotha, immediately their hearts sank uh, and they knew uh, that it meant crucifixion. You see, Calvary, when we think about it, the marking of this place between verse number 32, the Bible says that they led the, these malefactors were led with him between verse 32 and between ver verse 33. 
is the loneliest mile that's ever been walked in all the pages of the word of God. It is the loneliest mile that's ever been trotted in all the pages of history. When I think about Calvary this morning, my mind cannot even phantom. I cannot even embrace the very thought of the agony and the cruelty and the pain and the suffering that Jesus had to go through step by step, moment by moment as he walked every step of that way. He walked it all alone. Though the crowd surrounded him, the only ones that wept behind him was those women and all of hell could not stop him. My friend, the soldiers could not stop him. But Jesus paused long enough on that lonely mile to look at them women and say, weep not for me. Jesus wanted no tears at Calvary. He wanted no sympathy at Calvary. He wanted no sorrow at Calvary. He bore every bit of that sorrow. He took every bit of that pain. He took every bit of that punishment. He bore the burden. Calvary was a marked place of punishment. Jesus wore three things. He wore the reed that they put in his hand. He wore the robe that they put on his back. And then he wore the crown that they put on his head. But my friend, when he was on the cross, the only thing that he wore was that crown of thorns marking the curse of sin, marking the hill that he was upon, it was a marked place. Our Lord was identified with sin. I want to be quick to say that Jesus knew no sin this morning. I don't believe Jesus ever did sin. I don't believe he ever could have sinned because he was God. I want to say not only, my friend, did he, uh, could he not have sinned. I don't believe Jesus burned in hell. Somebody say amen right there. He may have took my sin and my sorrow. My friend, I won't have to go to hell and you won't have to go to hell if you're saved. And our Savior didn't go to hell. He went to the heart of the earth. He went to the paradise compartment of Hades. And my friend, three days later, he led captivity captive. He brought them up out of the grave. And thank God he took some into the city and he took others back to glory. And he moved that paradise into the eternal world before God's throne. But Jesus, he bore it all at Calvary that day. It was a marked place of punishment. I want to say, my friend, this place was marked by creation. It was marked by the creator of the Christ. It was marked by the crowd that day. It's been marked by Christians today. I don't hang my head when I think of Calvary, do you? I'm not ashamed of the old rugged cross. I'm not ashamed of this place. I think Calvary ought to be sweet to the child of God. It ought to make us want to say amen. It ought to make us want to worship. We ought to treasure this marked place of punishment, amen. Not only was it a marked place of punishment, but I see the meaning of this place of punishment. The word Calvary is a Latin name, and the word Golgotha is the Hebrew name. And my friend, the, the, the word Calvary simply means, or Golgotha means the skull. When you think about the skull this morning, there's a lot of debate about exactly where Calvary is. Some believe it to be Gordon's Calvary, uh, where we know the picture you've seen, the place of the skull, where the face looks like the skull. I think recently, in past decade, uh, uh, the nose of that skull was so deteriorated that it had fallen off. And, uh, but you can pull pictures of that up and you can see that hillside just outside the city there, that place of the skull, Gordon's Calvary. Others believe it to be in another place. Some even believe it to be at the top of the Mount of Olives. Uh, I'm not gonna debate the issue of where it is at this morning, uh, for I was not there 
but I will tell you this. I may have my own personal thoughts, but I will tell you what does matter this morning. When you think about that place of the skull, you know what a skull is? It's just an empty bone, isn't that right? When you think if you was to pick a skull up, there's no life in that skull. It's the witness of what used to be, but there's no life in it. There's no brain in that skull. There's no blood in that skull. It's got eyes, but it cannot see. It's got nose, but it cannot smell. It's got a mouth, but it cannot speak. It is ultimately lifeless. You know, that's the way man was before he got saved. And Jesus went to the top of that hillside. He went to Golgotha. He went to that place of the skull, that place that was lifeless, that place that had no blood. That's what man was. He is a walking dead man. He went to the top of that place and he put life in it. Amen. He went to the top. You know, when you conquer somebody in Bible days, you know what they did? They crushed their skull. Amen. They conquered their skull. When someone was crowned king, they crowned the top of their head, their skull. And Jesus went to the top of that hillside and he took a place that was known, it was marked for fear and death, a place that was marked for judgment, a place of, of horror and pain and agony, a place that was known for nothing but death. But when he got done with it, now it brings joy. When we think of Calvary, the meaning of Calvary is not death. The meaning of Calvary is life. Amen. I want to tell you, that old dead skull could not see. But once Jesus went to the top of it, thank God now if you'll look at Calvary, you can look and live. Amen. You can see Calvary has a voice. Calvary speaks. And when I think of Calvary, I think of the sweet aroma of Calvary, the meaning of Calvary this morning. Whenever a criminal was sentenced at Calvary, in those days he knew that it meant to die. But whenever a sinner is saved at Calvary, the meaning is that he has new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I think about the master and this place of punishment. The Bible says and they, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Jesus was crucified. The master of Calvary. They crucified the Son of God here at Calvary. This word that, that we think about. And Jesus uh, at the cross that day. This word that, that seemed to uh, bring such fear to men's heart. But now Jesus is at Calvary. And Jesus uh, looked forward to Calvary. The Bible said that he set his face uh, toward that hill, toward Jerusalem, uh, like a flint. He knew where he was going uh, when he came into this world several years ago. Hollywood. Uh, you know anything Hollywood produces, don't put no faith in it. Somebody say amen. Uh, years ago, uh, the, you know, Hollywood has tried to produce several movies uh, uh, about Bible movies down through the years. Uh, and what always amazes me about that is not what Hollywood, their reaction, but it amazes me people sitting in church uh, uh, that says, oh, I watched that, uh, and man, it just changed my life. <laughs> I would never tell anybody Hollywood changed my life. And if watching uh, Mel Gibson's movie changed your life more than reading the Bible, I'd be real nervous about that. You say, oh, but I saw it. I'm gonna tell you something. That's not faith, friends. And what you're looking at is fiction. Amen. 
I remember years ago whenever uh, that movie came out it so aggravated me I think I preached on it one Sunday just because I had preacher friends uh, one preacher friend went down and took a pulpit and rented a movie theater and showed the movie and he said uh, man we just had a great time I said you need your head examined that's exactly what I told him when he said that we were good enough friends at least I thought we were anyway uh, to say that Uh, I said man I'll tell you the preaching of the word of God faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God I'm telling you friend this morning when I think about Calvary and I think about the master in my mind's eye the Holy Ghost paints a picture like Hollywood never could but years before that they come out with a movie saying that Jesus came into this world not really knowing what God wanted him to do and he went kindly stumbled through life for 33 and a half years and then at Calvary it finally was unveiled and he figured out what his purpose was in life. I'm going to tell you something. That's nothing. But my friend, something hatched out of hell. Amen. He knew what the will of God was. He's God incarnate. And from the time he left the portals of glory until he came into this world, he knew exactly where he would go and what he would do. Amen. He went to Calvary. I think about the master in this place of punishment. Jesus was not coached into the cross. He was not manipulated into Calvary. He surrendered to the will of God. And the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I never, I find, I fall so short of this. But I ought to never complain, no matter what I face in life. Because Jesus, can you imagine this? He took that cross on his back. He drug it through the streets of Jerusalem. And while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. But while he carried the cross, I was on his mind. You was on his mind. Jesus did not carry the cross begrudgingly. Child of God, we should never carry the cross of our Lord begrudgingly. Jesus carried the cross with every footstep and every pain and everything that he went through. He never one time regretted what he did. He did it to please the Father. Somebody said it was love that held him to the cross and I understand that and I do believe that he was on the cross because he loved us. But I believe more than he was on the cross because he loved us. I believe it was the Father's will that held him to the cross. I believe Jesus was on the cross because he said, I do always those things that please my Father. He had a desire to please God and he loved the sinner, no doubt. Uh, I want to tell you when Jesus was on that cross, uh, there, was not a, there was not an ounce of begrudgment in him. There was not one ounce uh, of wanting to come down. They cr- come across uh, in front of that cross and they said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself uh, and come down from the cross cross but he would not come down from the cross for had he saved himself he would not have saved us and he stayed on the cross to fulfill the will of God and to rescue the sinner from hell there's the master in this place of punishment then there's the male factors in this place of punishment the Bible says and one on the right hand and the male factors one on the right hand and the other on the left here we see sinful men One representing a man that died lost without God. The other one representing a man that's just every bit as sinful as the other. For all men are sinful this morning. But this man believed. He put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The theology of this thief, no doubt, as we see later in the scriptures in verse number 40 down to verse number 43, he believed a lot of things. He believed that he was a sinner as he said to this other thief in verse number 40, but answer, he rebuked him saying, does not thou fear God? He believed in the fear of God. He believed, my friend, that he was condemned to die, seeing thou are in the same condemnation. He believed he deserved what he got in verse 41, for we indeed justly, for we received the due rewards of our deeds. He believed that Jesus was sinless in verse 41, but this man hath done nothing amiss. He believed that Jesus was a king in verse number 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, amen. He believed he was Lord. He believed in mercy as he said, remember me. He believed that Jesus had a kingdom when he said, thou comest into thy kingdom. And he believed that Jesus was going to that kingdom. He believed when he left that cross. I tell you the theology of this old thief was pretty good. He believed some things. He didn't start out that way on the way to the cross. He was mocking our Lord just like everybody else. But things changed somewhere along that trail as they were led away with our Savior. That thief in all of his agony and all of his pain. He watched Jesus as the crowd was not really turned on those thieves. But the crowd was turned on Jesus. And he watched the response of our Lord. He watched him as he was dying. He watched him as he was put on the cross. This male factor saw something in him uh, uh, that my friend made him change his mind and sinner you can change your mind this morning uh, God gave you a mind uh, and God gave you a will uh, and you don't have to go to hell this morning you can be saved I believe God gives every man a choice don't you this morning if you go to hell it'll be your choosing you say God don't put people in hell no he don't he's done everything possible to keep man out of hell he gave his son and the son gave his life and if you reject Jesus Christ, you'll go to hell by your own choice and your own will. I see the male factors and this place of punishment and then finally I see the message and this place of punishment. Do you know if the only verse in the Bible you had was verse 33? It's enough to get saved on this morning. The gospel is wrapped up here in one verse. When you think about verse 33, we see the dying of our Savior. What Calvary, the message that's coming out of verse 33 is simply this. I love you. I died for you. I want you. I'll take you. I'll forgive you. I'll save you this morning. That's the message of the cross. Nobody has to go to hell. Nobody has to die in their sin. That ought to make us all want to shout. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor this morning. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter this morning if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're guilty or innocent this morning. It doesn't matter what crimes you've committed. If Jesus will save a thief, uh, he'll save anybody, amen. You say, but I've wasted my life uh, living out in sin. So had this man, but Jesus saved him as he was drawing his final breaths, uh, telling us uh, that it's never too late to be saved uh, if you're willing to repent. Uh, I'm telling you, if you wanna get saved this morning, uh, you ought to come right now. Calvary, Jesus died so that you could be saved. There were people that walked away from the cross this day. And tragically enough, they went to hell. And the biggest part of those people that walked away, this is a shocking truth. The biggest part of those people that walked away from the cross were not drunkards and not harlots 
and not hardcore criminals. But I'm going to tell you who they were this morning. They were a religious crowd. An entire nation sealed their doom that day as they walked away from the only hope and the only light they'd ever been given. I want to tell you this morning, if I was sitting here in this building lost without God, there's no way, there's no way this morning that I'd leave lost. There's no way I'd let pride hold me in that seat. You say, oh, but preacher, I I go to church and so did this crowd. Well, preacher, I, I have, you know, I know the books of the Bible and I memorize scripture. So did this crowd. Well, preacher, I, I live a pretty clean life and I, I live pretty good and, and I, do a, I do a lot of things in the name of God. So did this crowd. When I read verse 33, the thought occurred to me, more people are in hell this morning because of religion than anything else. Friend, this morning I ask you to look in the recesses of your soul and I ask, you the, ask, I ask you the question that only the Holy Ghost can answer to you. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ this morning? 